Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. All narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating podcast. From Holland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after this episode and check out Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends, wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Recruiting Roundup. Recruiting Roundup is our weekly show that drops on Fridays, bringing you all the news and analysis from the past week of recruiting. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects101Pod. I'm Kenny Keller, and I'm joined by Brandon Glessner. Hey, what's going on, guys? And I'm also joined by Brandon Pastels, having just a little bit of bandwidth issue. Yeah, I'm staying at my sister's place right now, and she needs to upgrade the old internet, I think. You need, to, you need to tell her to go go get those higher, uh, what is it, megabytes per second? She needs to get that upload and download speed up. Uh, absolutely, man. Upgrade to that Verizon Fios. And if Verizon Fios, if you're listening, we're always looking for sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, let's not waste any time. Big news out of college football today. And it's tough to hear because I know we were hoping for a full season, but the more and more we, we get closer to the start of the season, that doesn't look like the case. And today the Big Ten uh, and the Pac-12 really dropped the hammer, and that is the Big Ten and the Pac-12 will be eliminating out-of-conference games for the season, and they will be playing in-conference games only. Guys, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it really, really sucks, to be honest with you. I mean, there were some big-time games. I mean, you know, for the Pac-12, there's no Washington versus Michigan. There's no Oregon versus Ohio State. There's no USC versus Alabama. Um, and the, the the matchup that I wanted to keep my eye on, and, and we're not going to get it, is Oregon and North Dakota State. So oh, yeah. really big early season matchups that, unfortunately, we're not just going to be able to see, guys. So, yeah, pretty disappointing today, but – you know, we were going back and forth. Uh, you know, I I hope that this is all that happens, um, and I'm trying to stay positive. But with all this news that's coming out with the Ivy League yesterday, the ACC, and and of course the Big Big Ten and the Pac-12 today, it's it's a little discouraging. I'm not gonna lie. But hey, we still got football, right? I mean, I think that's a silver lining. Is a lot of people are. I mean, we we thought the season was over. Like at one point, we thought it was never gonna happen. It's still out there. We're going to have two professional leagues at the MLB and the NBA that are going to start up their seasons here shortly. So we're in a little bit of a test trial to see how they do it. If they can do it successfully, then I think it bodes well for the NCAA and NFL. If they can't do it successfully, then I think that really runs into issues of whether there will be football or not in the fall. I, I think the biggest difference between the pro leagues and the and, and NCAA is the NCAA has so many discrepancies with, you know, smaller teams and bigger teams and budgets for testing and 
you know, travel issues and all that stuff, you know, they're, they're obviously, they're not in a bubble. And I know the MLB's quote unquote, not in a bubble, but you know, there's still, it's a professional organization with only 30 teams versus 128 FBS teams. So that's the one thing that is a little concerning and not necessarily apples to apples with professional sports is a, there's so many more teams and there's no central, there's no central guidelines like the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, the NHL, they all have central guidelines and they're all following the same guidelines where college football is kind of every conference for themselves. It's really the chancellors and the presidents who are, who are writing things as they go. Um, But like you said, the silver lining is yeah, the out of conference games, losing those is, that stinks. There was some awesome out of conference games lined up for this year, but you know, I, I don't think any of us are surprised that they're going to stick to more of a regional conference schedule. I, I think that's smart. It eliminates the travel time and it allows and it allows you to have a central guideline. Like now the Big Ten, all their schools are going to follow the same guideline. The Pac twelve, all their schools are going to follow the same guidelines. They're all going to have the same protocols. So I think in, in a sense that will help. This is kind of that's where they do monitor the pro leagues, in my opinion. Yeah, I tell you what, Glesson, you mentioned it. Like, North Dakota State versus Oregon, I think, was going to be a monumental type of game because you really think about it. Yes, Oregon has a arguably a top-five defense in the nation, but they also have a brand-new, like, coordinator – or, sorry, uh, quarterback, pretty much offensive line is completely brand-new besides, you know, the top of the offensive line in football. But you had a, a North Dakota State team that had – arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, a lot of returning players, a lot of stability. Like, if there was going to be the next Michigan versus App State or JMU versus Virginia Tech up type of upset, like, it was going to be week one, North Dakota State versus Oregon, because there's a lot of change in Oregon, not a lot of change in North Dakota State. And they're they're obviously the best team in the FCS. So I was really looking for that game, see what Trey Lance can do against the top caliber type of defense uh, this coming fall. Yeah, I was I was I was more excited to see Trey Lance up against Oregon's defense. I wasn't necessarily I was excited for the game, but I wasn't over the moon cuz I felt like at the end of the day, you know, yeah, Oregon has a new quarterback and four new offensive linemen, but they still have the best defense in the country in the FBS and they still have Penny Sewell uh and they have probably the two probably one of the best running back combos in the country as well with CJ Verdell um and I forget the other guy, the other running back's name who who compliments him, but you know then they have three decent sophomore receivers this year. So I was I I think at the end of the day I still would have taken Oregon plus. It's oh, like, yeah. We talked about this the other day in terms of I think I would have taken them plus the twenty. I think they would have eventually pulled away. I think the first half might have gave them a little bit of a scare, but Oregon Oregon's a borderline playoff team with Tyler Shuck playing average in my opinion. So I yeah. just don't know if, I just don't know if a FCS team can hang with a playoff team. Yeah, the other one that kind of jumped off the page for me was Oregon, Ohio State, because that is a that potential, scary. you know, playoff playoff game. And if Oregon somehow figured out how to win that one, um, you know, you probably look at Oregon as a national title contender. And yep. then, you know, really see what Ohio State had against, you know, kind of the Pac-12's best. So, um, you know, it it sucks. But, you know, to your point, you know, what we're, we're going to forge ahead into conference play and at least – at least right now, they'll be, you know, they are planning on football. But to your point, Kenny, it's, it, you know, we get new news every day, and uh, the, you know, the ability for, for teams to be able to practice, and that's actually a good leeway. And probably your, you know, what we want to talk about next in the ACC delay until September first. Um, yeah. Yep. And and my big question to that: so, are they delaying working out 
until September 1st or is it playing games until September 1st? So in that scenario, does it mean that like Clemson can't practice until September 1st? So kind of a lot of questions I had about that announcement and that came out yesterday, I believe. Yeah, and it was very it was very vague. Like it didn't really say much about what they were delaying. It just said they were delaying fall sports until September first. Uh, so I'm assuming that means working out like at least quote unquote official workouts, uh, because we know Clemson and UNC right now both, and I think NC State shut down their voluntary workouts due to positive tests. So. They're not doing their quote-unquote voluntary workouts, which we heard from uh, Coach Healy. Basically what he was saying is groups were just kind of coming in, working out, and then going out in the field essentially one at a t- one like position group at a time, and even they were split. Um, so it's not like it was an official workout anyway. But it, the, I think the biggest announcement was that the commissioner, Swafford, said that if Notre Dame – you know, if all these out-of-conference games get pulled and canceled, which we're seeing now, then Notre Dame is basically going to be absorbed into the ACC. So Notre Dame will essentially become a full-time ACC team for the 2020 season, and they'll play a full ACC in-conference schedule. So Notre Dame won't play like USC or Navy or anybody like that. They'll just play all ACC teams, and the ACC will essentially be 15 teams this year. Yeah, that, that's super cool to me to see Notre Dame probably, what, add two, three more games to their schedule. Essentially, you know, when, obviously I'm a Virginia Tech fan. I would love to see Virginia Tech play Notre Dame again. These are mm-hmm. always good games. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's cool. The one thing I'm questioning really with all this is why is it not more of a unified front in the sense of, like, the NCAA? Like, the, the fact that all these conferences have the power to say, like, the Ivy League, I'm going to push it to the spring. Uh, these other conferences, I'm not going to play out-of-conference games. But other conferences are like, ACC hasn't said that yet. But if the Big 12 is not playing out-of-conference games, then – if the ACC had Big 12 conference or out-of-conference games, then well, guess what? Those schools aren't playing out-of-conference games either. So, like, I'm just curious why, like, these ADs and these conference commissioners or whoever, like, haven't well, talked previous to this and just like, hey, can we get all on the same page before we kind of make this, you know, by conference, but more of an NCAA unified front? What's interesting because the NCAA really doesn't have oversight, quote-unquote, in terms of the day-to-day operations like that, one, and two – from everything I read, basically these ADs in these conferences are at the mercy of presidents and chancellors of the university. So it's not even necessarily sports guys, sports um, guys who are or, or women who are making the call, uh, leaders. It's the leaders of the university itself. Like if they're bringing kids on campus, if they have to go online only, if they're you know, only bringing on, you know, a percentage of kids back into the campus or whatever. So really a lot of that falls on the chancellors and the presidents. And I'm assuming the ADs are probably just doing what they, in the commissioners of these conferences are making decisions based on what they're hearing day to day from the chancellors. Like I, it wouldn't surprise me if this decision about the out of conference stuff wasn't made because a chancellor, you know, a couple of chancellors in the big 10 were like, Hey, we're only gonna we're not gonna bring kids back into school until you know September 10th or something like that. And they're like, well, if that's the case, we're gonna lose two out of conference games now because we can't play until the kids are on campus. So it's a lot of unknowns, but they're not running it. The the chancellors and the presidents of the universities yeah. are the ones who are making the decisions. Because at the end of the day, I mean, these guys. I, I know you know sometimes you forget these, but these kids are students, right? Yep. And it, in order to get 
quote unquote kids on campus, they're still students. So, you know, they have to do what's in the best interest of their university and make sure they don't get sued. Uh, make sure that, you know, obviously it's an environment that kids mm-hmm. aren't going to get additionally sick. They're not going to spread the virus even more, which kind of is why I'm just, I, I, I'm nervous because everybody, you know, say, so if you're in the big 12 and, you know, like, or I'm sorry, say you're in the Pac-12 and, you know, you, you're a player for Arizona and Arizona's a big hotspot right now. Arizona Chancellor comes out and says, you know, we're just not going to play football um, because we don't feel like we could get people there safe. We don't feel like we can get student athletes safe. Um, and so they may just take their ball and go home. Yep. So it, it, it is, it's pretty nerve wracking for me just as a college football fan. But that's why, that's the other reason why it's not really a unified front. Um, just because th- these are student athletes, they're not professional athletes. Yeah, and then of course you have the SEC and the Big Twelve, uh, which tend to lean more toward the South, and you know obviously the South loves football. Early word is there's intent to play their out of conference games, but you know who knows how long that actually lasts. And and there's already sources that are actually coming out and saying the SEC is favoring an in conference schedule only. They haven't that none of that's confirmed, but that's the rumor that's floating around as of like an hour ago, uh, according to 24-7 sports. So I, I think the norm is going to be out-of-conference games across the P5 and G5 are going to be probably canceled for the most part. I, I don't think there's any going to be any out-of-conference games, unless maybe it's a regional thing. You know, like Texas Tech might play Texas A&M because they're right there in the state of Texas. But, you know, I, I don't even see that happening. I think they're just going to be playing round-robin in conference, almost like a tournament. Kind of I style. tell you what, though, like, I mean, we've talked about Tony Grimes, the the cornerback out of Virginia, talking about how he might, you know, not play senior year because he's already got credits to graduate and just jumps college right now. My bigger question right now is, say a program like you just mentioned, Dan, like say Arizona comes out and says, we're not playing college football this year because we don't feel comfortable. Right. What if there's some players on that team that say, like, boy, I want a hardship waiver then to go play at Alabama if they're, like, you know, NFL-type caliber players because I can't afford to not play football uh, this year, like, I would rather play football and transfer. Like, do you? For, I almost, I almost foresee like if that is a possibility, like, school shutting down, then they these players might jump to other schools and play. In theory, that's 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 an uh, could be an issue. But at the same time, if you have you know five or six P five schools decide that they're not going to play football, and you, you're inviting this mass exodus for hardship waivers and, and immediate transfers then the NCAA is going to have to – they're going to have to basically create an emergency referendum and n- just throw scholarship limits out the window. Because, I mean, what if, you know, 25, 30 players go to transfer from Arizona, like, you, like as we said in this example, and, and throughout schools in the Pac-12, but if they're already at their schol- – I mean, I don't, I don't think teams yeah, have I, really much leeway in their scholarship limits at this point in the year. Not only not only scholarship limits, but how the heck are you supposed to get a kid enrolled, get them quote unquote either on campus in class, and do, I mean we're close to mid July. I man, I have a hard time seeing that happen. I I think they're just gonna, I I don't know what they're gonna do. But I, I, my guess is if someone like in, in this example, we'll stick with the Arizona example. My guess if Arizona came out tomorrow, or in Arizona State came out tomorrow and said, hey. You know, Arizona stinks right now. It's not safe. We're not playing football. I'm going to guess, and and I think it's been pretty uniform because the commissioners have all said it. If one team doesn't play in the conference and the rest of the team, I mean, it's only going to take one team and the rest of the conference isn't playing. That's the that's the that's been the party line 
since they've said it. It's either all or none. Um, so that's that's really what you have to be nervous about as a college football fan is if a school says, hey, we're not playing because then that basically sinks the entire conference if what the commissioners are saying is actually true and that it's all for one or none or you know none at all. But that's that's the biggest thing. I don't think I don't think there's going to be a mass transfer because I just don't think teams can unless they just say waive the all the scholarship limits and come up with an infrastructure about getting the kids enrolled into the school. I, I at this point we're I mean we're at the eleventh hour now. I mean this yeah, my is, my this is my it. only thing with the scholarship limit is if and I know this is like the one percent in college football, but like say if I was an ascending quarterback, I was in my senior year and I knew like this is the year like if I was going to ever get drafted like this is the year then I don't care about scholarships. Just get me on your football team. Let me display my talents, knowing that you're, you're betting on yourself more or less right? Uh, to get that shot in the NFL. Because for some of these kids, man, that's all of what it's about. I mean, and it's unfortunate. Like, you know, it's not all about education or everything, but some of it is all about getting to the next level. And if yeah. you're telling me, like, they can't play a year, they might not they might not give a crap about the – they're like they're, in their mind, they're like, I'll make that money in the NFL and I'll pay back that money through yeah. student loans or whatever else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I see that point. It's just the fact that, I mean, how many how many kids really fall into that bucket? I mean, I'm just yeah. not sure how many kids just, fall into that the only, bucket. The only issue I, mean, I have is I just don't see the logistics behind it. Like, I, I yeah. just – I don't – at this point in July, I mean, you know, we're, we're only a month away from, you know, camps, quote-unquote, starting. At, at this point, I mean, I just don't know the logistics around it. I just don't see it. And every day – that's delayed, which, I mean, really, they're not going to, I mean, really, I'd be surprised if there's any other announcement about the schedules other than just the in-conference schedules, but if they, if they choose to cancel the season or delay it even further, I got to imagine we're not going to hear anything about that until, you know, mid-August, so, so at that point, if mid-August comes around and and they do that, I just don't know, yeah, I don't know the logistics behind it, man, it's, it's not good. I mean, I don't think anybody knows the logistics. Obviously, this is something that's new and has never been seen before, at least in the modern day, uh, you know, in our lifetime. So I, it, it's a mess, man. But it looks like from now on, you know, we're going to get conference games only, uh, which I'm fine with, you know, as long as there's football. If that means they get to delay the season till about, you know, mid to late September and it gives us more of a shot at football, I'm good with 10 conference games and a conference championship and, you know, then the next step is going to be what do you do about bowl games and and, the, and all that stuff. But that's another that's another conversation for another day. So, like I said, big news out of conference games are pretty much done in NCAA. It's not all official, but it's official in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 are probably going to be soon to follow. Would be my best guess. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So, But coming off a big week of recruiting, the 4th of July is kind of like a mini signing day, it seemed like. 
you know, we had a lot of big recruits, and and obviously the number one recruit, the number one new uh, news story of the weekend was Caleb Williams officially commits to Oklahoma, the number one 2020 quarterback prospect. No surprise, we've been talking about Caleb committing to Oklahoma for about a month and a half to two months now. What are your thoughts on him going to Oklahoma? It makes sense yeah. to me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I mean, the guy produces multiple Heisman candidate uh uh, quarterbacks and they're always in the playoffs so I mean it makes sense as simple as that to me that he goes to Oklahoma to ascend himself to that notoriety of being a Heisman being in the playoffs every year playing a huge games and probably gonna get drafted number one overall because that's the track record that Lincoln Riley has yeah I mean he certainly has some competition with with uh, Spencer Rattler coming you know in there now being a true sophomore so I mean he's gonna have to battle for it and Spencer Rattler was just as heralded as Caleb Williams was. So it, it, it'll it be interesting to see how that plays out. Are they both going to end their career at Oklahoma? I don't think so. I, I would anticipate that one of those guys probably ends up elsewhere and plays their college football elsewhere. Yeah. Um, not really surprised that he signed with OU, uh, figuring his relationship with Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, but you know, what else was he supposed to do? Go to Maryland? <laughs> you know, you go to Maryland. LSU is the only one that I thought, like, probably a pretty decent opportunity there to, to get in early and play uh, without really having to deal with a ton of competition. Um, you know, because now, I mean, Spencer Rattler is only a year ahead of him. So, really, looking through here, unless he beats him out, he's going to be kind of riding the pine unless an injury happens or, or he, again, like I said, you know, Rattler goes to the NFL early or something like that. Yeah, it's it's very similar to a uh, Justin Fields, Jake Fromm situation, you know. It's got uh, that feeling, doesn't it? Yep, yep. So it'll no, be interesting well, to see how he's utilized. Time out, time out. So Caleb Williams is a 2021 commit, right? Yeah, so Spencer Rattler will be a redshirt junior when he's a true freshman. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm so sorry. You're crazy. He can wait one Is, is Rattler – I thought he was a true – True sophomore, it, I think. So he'll be a yeah, true Yeah, he's a true sophomore. Yeah, when, when Williams actually gets there. So in theory, yeah, correct. Williams would be a true sophomore, a redshirt freshman, which I don't think is – I don't think that's far-fetched. Like, I think he'll wait a year, assuming Rattler goes to the NFL. And if he does go to the NFL, then he's probably not that good, and Williams will get him out anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be something to keep an eye on. A lot of, a lot of hens in the hen house in Oklahoma next year. So Lincoln Riley's definitely going to have to get creative to – to keep both happy. So that, it's going to be interesting. And OU also landed a four-star cornerback, Latrell McCutcheon, on the same day, 13th-ranked corner in the country. So just a really, really big day for OU. A five-and-a-four-star signing. OU stock is pointing up once again. And speaking of pointing up, a stock that's pointing up, huge Georgia signs four-star outside linebacker Jamon Dumas-Johnson, which continuing to build on what looks like another top two or three recruiting class for Georgia. I talked about this a couple a, a couple weeks ago, how their average star ranking, I think, was number two in the country based on where they were and how many um, recruits they had, where they were ranked. They have ten recruits. Eight of them are four-star. One's a five and one's a three. And so they just added, like I said, another four-star. I mean, it, it's business as usual, guys, for Georgia. Yeah, and I think with Georgia, too, like, you know, with Alabama, I kind of argued because there wasn't a lot of crystal balls, five-star athletes left for them. But Georgia, on the other hand, I never argued with that with UK because yeah. they had so many crystal balls pointed towards towards them, and it was just a matter of time when they actually committed. And now we're starting to see that influx of top-end talent start to commit to them. So I'm with you 100%. It's definitely going to be a top-five class when this is all said and done. It's just a matter of when they sign. 
Yeah. yeah. And then and then Gless, your boys, Washington, signed a four star wide receiver, Jabez Tenay, and you know, they're Washington's doing what they can to keep up with Oregon in the recruiting rankings. I mean, they're twenty eighth currently and obviously Oregon's in the top ten, but you know, UW's starting to get some momentum here with these four and five star uh, signings they've had the last or commitments they've had the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that, I mean, really, the last four four or five years they've done really well as far as four five four and five star recruits. And you know, we talked about that a couple of weeks past with the twenty four seven. What was it? The the recruit percentage. If you had a percentage of your roster mm-hmm. that were four and five star recruits. You know, you, that you're destined to essentially compete for a national championship and the hot, the Huskies are top 16. So I think what's most important about this, guys, is, it, you know, I talked about it on recruiting roundup two weeks ago. It's so important for UW to sign these four or five star recruits in state because the 2021 class for the state of Washington may be the best high school class out of that state ever. Nice. And yeah. another thing about Jabaz Tanay is he is also the star receiver for Kennedy Catholic for. The quarterback is Sam Hewitt, who's the number one pro-style quarterback in the 2021 Ooh, class, nice. who is also committed to the University of Washington. Kenny Catholic is a is a huge uh, player in the in the Seattle area when it comes to private school football. So, really, not a stunner there. I think that this is the one one of many signings for UW personally. Uh, Sam Hewitt's really out there trying to get these in in-state guys to stay and this is just another four-star guy that he's getting to stay and say you know it's been kind of recorded that Sam Heward's really on kind of the forefront of this and really talking to a lot of these guys because he knows all these guys because they've played seven on seven tournaments together they've played right. in the state of Washington together so it's huge for the Huskies to keep these guys and it's another great signing for Jimmy Lake and it just shows that hey we can keep up with Oregon I think it's gonna be a lot of fun that Pac-12 North here in the next yeah. ten, uh, uh, four or five years. Gus I was gonna ask you man like so I look at all these guys coming into Washington they're like their profile picture on 247 or 24-7 sports is like the Heisman looking helmet like the soft helmet and it's like are these is is it a, I'm assuming there's a lot of like seven on seven passing links out there because every guy I see with that type of helmet is from the West Coast, and it's the, just like most of these guys in our commitment to Washington. I just thought it was kind of funny seeing that. Yeah, no, there there is, and my my brother Jeff, who what who was uh, offensive coordinator out there, and then a head coach here in the East Coast, constantly would just talk about just the dramatic difference in what's important out there and what's important here, and really like that shell is just for seven on seven tournaments, but. Yeah. That stuff is huge on the West Coast when it comes to skill guys. I mean, they really take their seven-on-seven stuff serious. So, well, no, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it makes sense, too. I mean, the West Coast always produces a lot of skill guys. The West Coast is usually known for quarterbacks and, and wide receivers and, and running backs, man. They have a lot of skill position guys out there versus, you know, the SECs. You, you see a lot of offensive linemen, same with, the you know, the North and stuff like that. So, it's it makes sense. So, speaking of four-star receivers, the Mad Hatter – Les Miles finally lands his big dog and four-star wide receiver Keon Coleman committed to, or committed to Kansas this week and is by far the best recruit Les has had at Kansas. Now, he's obviously got a long way to go to help build that program, but this is a really big win for him. It finally shows the hard work him and his staff have been putting in to make Kansas a more competitive program, which is not an easy task, by the way. It's probably one of the worst – P5 jobs you can take, but it is nice to see Les Miles and his persistence finally paying off. I, I tell you one thing, man, with that is I've been looking at a lot of the decommitments that have been happening over the last few weeks, and it seems like every other decommitment has a 
now like a percentage going towards Kansas and less miles program. So it, it, I, I think this is just the beginning of what we're going to see for the rest of the year for Kansas. And I, I definitely foresee his recruiting class either through decommitments or transfers or just, you know, should up recruiting these kids. It's going to rise in the, uh, in the next few months. Yeah. Yeah, it's just good. It's good overall. You know, him and Jeff Long had a had a plan. The AD Jeff Long have had a plan, and they said it's going to take a a minute to turn around the battleship. You know, you don't turn a battleship around overnight. So it it's good to see. I I, I love Les Miles. He's one of my favorite coaches. He's one of my favorite characters in all of sports. So to see him start to build Kansas into at least a a competitor. I mean, I just would like to see a bowl eligible Kansas team. It is really cool for Les and, and company. And really the really the only other news I saw that was kind of big was Air Force signed eight players this week. You'll have the recruiting class signed in one week. Now none of these guys had any star rankings. Um you know, according to 24/7 Sports, so they're they haven't really been updated in in the team rankings yet, but a lot of a lot of um a lot of signings for the mountain for a Mountain West team. You know, eight players. That's you know, you don't see that even at the big schools, much less at the smaller depth, schools. Depth, man. So. Depth. Yeah, yeah. A lot of wishbone guys coming in. That's for sure. Um, well, that w- that really re- that really rounds it out for you know the big the biggest signings and the biggest recruiting news of the week. Gless, why don't you go ahead and hit us with an update of the G five top five and the overall top ten? Yeah, got got a, a new. A new school in the G5 top five. So Memphis, which has uh, been there, is actually now past Cincinnati. So Memphis at one, Cincinnati at two, SMU at three. Now it new to the top five is Appalachian State. Love seeing them nice. in there. That's great. And then Toledo at five. Yeah, yeah. Memphis is the new number one of the G5 uh, right now. And then App State is a new member of the top five, you know, from the, the first time they've made an appearance. And guys, I was looking at SMU earlier. They're actually a favorite to win, to, to land a four star. I saw when they were one of the favorites to land a four star wide receiver in the crystal ball rank, uh, um, predictions. Prediction. And, and they just, and they just received a four, a former four star transfer into the program. So Sonny Dykes is doing big, big things there in Dallas. I, I'm really excited to see the Mustangs in the next couple of years because I think I think he's building a monster down there. He's built a sleeping giant, and I, I would not be surprised if they're a New Year's Six team can, and a consistent threat for your New Year's Six Bowl team um, within the next, you know, two or three years consistently. You know what kind of surprises me with this a little bit is the fact that Memphis is, like, on their third or fourth coach in the last six years, mm-hmm. and they're consistently up there year in, year out. Which tells me it's more. It's got to be more than just the coach, right? Like it's got to be like a, a culture, an atmosphere, or something about that program that has them like really in one of the top G five programs in the last decade. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it because we could go down the rabbit hole with it. But when they fired the coach before Fuente, um, he basically came out in a press conference and said Memphis will never ever win anything unless they decide to start really putting money into the program. Apparently, there was just there was no money filtering into the program, and and they and to Memphis's credit, they actually took his advice to heart, and it started with Fuente and Norvell, then took it to the next level. You know, they've really done a good job at 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 siphoning money into that program, pumping money into that program, and it's showing with their recruiting efforts. And look, Memphis is a hotbed for talent. Tennessee's not a bad state to be recruiting, and and Memphis has always had talent there. I mean, if you look at their basketball teams, they recruit a lot of 
a lot of talent from Memphis, and they're always yep. successful. So I think they're just finally winning in their own backyard, too. I think that's – I mean, we talk about it all the time. You win in your own backyard, and it usually win, wins translating on the field, and I think that's what they've been doing. Plus, they've had more of a financial commitment from the university for the program. So kudos to Memphis for investing in their program. Now, Gus, what – What's up with the top ten? What are we looking at for overall? Yeah, we got it. We got some movement here, but obviously Ohio State still at number one, Clemson at two, UNC at three, uh, Tennessee at four. Oregon moved up and is now five nationally. LSU also moved up. LSU is going to be at six, uh, USC seven, Michigan eight, Florida nine, and Texas rounding out our top ten for the week. And Pastel, I know the honorable mention here, number eleven, Alabama. Creeping hey, up. In another it. spot. They're not in it, my man. <laughs> Creeping up. They're coming up. I cannot wait till they get into the top ten. And then I've never been a such five. a bigger fan of these top ten schools right now, just to keep recruiting, out recruiting Alabama. And I say that knowing, like, I saw the, the crystal ball projections. There's, like, three more guys pointing to Alabama this week. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> don't, don't sign before Friday, please. <laughs> Pastel is just eating his words. It's going to be – it's only a matter of time. Only yeah, matter. Alabama, time. right? You know what's funny? Alabama right now is staring at Pastel, and he's like Thanos from the Marvel movies. I he's wonder like, if some I'm recruits out there. I wonder if some recruits out there like are listening to this podcast, and they were like thinking, you know, I'm gonna go to Hase, but because Pastel said this, I'm going to Alabama now. People are now decommitting from schools because of me <laughs> going to Alabama. It's complete shame, man. You 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 unintentionally became their biggest hype man. So well, that does it for recruiting roundup this week, guys. Um, obviously, like we talked about, the biggest news is the elimination of the out of conference games in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Um, and like I said, it's look at, like we said, it's looking like that's going to be the new norm for the football season. But at the same time, you know, this allows them to keep pushing back and delaying the start without messing up much of the season, and hopefully, will allow us to have any football because I'd rather have any college football than no college football. So as always, you can follow and interact with the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We post throughout the week at prospects one Oh one pod. We love interacting with our fans and you can also listen to us on your favorite podcast platform, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our episodes. We have a, we have a lot of great interviews upcoming, tons of great content Make sure you give us a five-star review. We really appreciate you spreading the word and leaving a review for us. And for Brandon Glessner, for Brandon Pastel, I'm Kenny Keller. Have a great week and stay safe. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.